The decision to place my faith in Christ didn't happen in a vacuum or an intellectual ivory tower. It was based on an avalanche of evidence that led me to the verdict that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and my own personal Redeemer and Lord. From the book A Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. I'm Curtis, my pal over there is Joe, and we are Dudes in Progress. Hey, Joe. God bless you, Kurt. Happy Good Friday. Happy Good Friday, my friend. Yes, it is a Good Friday. I got the day off today. <laughs> well, let's be truthful. I'm, 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 we're recording this well before Good Friday. But I have the day off today. I'm probably kicking back right now, thinking about just life stuff, not worrying about a thing. They used to give us the day off. Now I got to take it off, but I did too. I'm, I'm all... Taking Good Friday off, that's a habit I've been doing. You know, Joe, we're going to do something today. I've been told is one of the two things we should never talk about if we want to make friends or keep relationships and build community. You know what the two things are? Politics and? Religion. Yep. That was clear from our uh, from your introduction there, Kurt. And, uh, you know, Kurt and I planned this a couple weeks back to um, be authentic. And transparent about our faith, I, I doubt. I doubt we'll get much backlash because I think we've been clear about our faith and most aspects of our life. But the talk, as overtly as we're going to talk about it over the next couple of weeks, should be should be an interesting interesting road. I uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, Kurt. Well, I think it fits our topics of intentional living, and we talked about secrets to happiness. I think we found in a lot of our research that a, a belief or some faith, certainly, those, you find those people are happier than those that do not have that same set of beliefs. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a book we're going to talk about that was in my intro, A Case for Christ. I would say it had a profound impact on me. It wasn't the start of my faith at all. I would, you know, to give a little history, I remember going to church as a kid with my parents in Sunday school a little bit. And I can remember that we didn't go f for most of the time that I was a kid. And when I was an adult, I asked my mom, because she does go to, my mom and dad do attend the church that I've been attending for 30 years or more. And I asked her, Geez, Mom, how come we stopped going to church? And she said, you know, I, it just was that I didn't feel comfortable there, which is a horrible thing to say about going to church. About a church. Yeah, she felt that people yeah. talked down to her is the best I can relate her experience. And so that's kind of where I was at. The, the place where I point to that really – brought my faith in stronger than ever before. Got married in the church my wife was brought up in. It's a Lutheran church, family church that she, there's a lot of history there with her family being immigrants from Germany. The church sponsored her family and many of the, she always said we had a lot of cousins and family members that came over from Germany and settled in this area. And 
went to this church, but Joe, it was the the birth of my first child. That's where I went. Wow. <laughs> There's something here. This was pretty miraculous. And yeah, it's a it's a miracle in and of itself right there. That was a profound day for me in many respects. I remember the pastor was the very first person I saw at the hospital early, early in the morning. My son Harry was born at seven o'clock in the morning and the pastor who I didn't know very well, he wasn't even the pastor that married us, but it wasn't long after that I joined St. Paul's Lutheran Church and I've been a member and actively participating ever since. Yeah, we're, this is going to be a two-part subject. You know, we just did four parts on intentional living, and then before that, we did four parts on minimalism. So I guess our faith at least deserves two parts, <laughs> right? So we, you know, you're gonna you're gonna share <laughs> you're gonna share uh, a lot about your faith and this book, which I love. Lee Strobel is an amazing author, and I hope you, I really do hope you dig into a little bit about why he wrote this book mm. and what brought him to write this book and to become a Christian. Cause he has a really interesting story. Uh, and he, he, you'll talk, you'll talk some about your faith, I'm sure. And I'll talk some about mine next week. I'll dig into the writings of, uh, William Lane Craig and a couple, a couple other people. Uh, but I'm really excited about digging into this subject because it's something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I think next week I'll hold my story for next week. Uh, how I came to faith, but suffice it to say, I call myself a recovering atheist. And uh, I have a show called On Faith's Edge, a podcast called On Faith's Edge that I've not done in quite a while, but that's kind of my hook. You know, I'm I'm, an, I'm a recovering atheist. And there's a reason I call myself that. I, I didn't grow up in the church. I, yeah, I had real no no real faith foundation. And I came to I came to Christ came to God and came to Christ in a very logical, methodical process. And we'll talk about that next week. Yes. So let's get into this book, A Case for Christ, which I came to through the movie that I I think I probably looked for it. I had heard about it. I found it on Amazon at the time, Amazon Prime. And I just looked. It's not there other than you'd have to rent it. But I really enjoyed the, the movie. Many times I'll see a movie and then try the book. Of course, the book it was, goes into such greater detail. Here's my introduction to this book. It's written by Lee Strobel, former investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune. And the book tells the story of Strobel's own journey from atheism to Christianity. It's structured around his investigation into the evidence of Christianity, which he conducted by interviewing experts in various fields related to Christianity, including theology, history, and archaeology. I really like this, Joe, because I love history. It was There were questions in my own mind that I don't think I ever got answered at church, and this book helps me out. So each chapter of the book focuses on a specific area of investigation, such as the reliability of the New Testament, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection, and the existence of God. So there's some heavy-duty stuff there. His investigation leads him to conclude that the evidence for Christianity is strong and convincing. He argues that the historical and archaeological evidence supports the claims of the New Testament, that Jesus' resurrection is the best explanation for the empty tomb, and that the existence of God is the most reasonable explanation for the universe and human consciousness. Heavy stuff. 
Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Throughout the book, he shares his own personal journey from atheism to Christianity. He describes the doubts and questions he had to confront and how he ultimately came to believe in God and Jesus Christ. But overall, a case for Christ is a persuasive argument for the truth of Christianity presented in a clear and accessible way. It's a good resource for anyone who is interested in exploring the evidence for Christianity or who's seeking to strengthen their own faith. So Lee Strobel began his journey, and I don't know if you're going to cover this or not, so I don't want to steal your thunder. Are you going to cover this? I'm going to say it anyway, and, and if I steal yeah. your thunder, then just uh, yeah. grant me forgiveness, right? Lee Strobel began his journey because his he was an atheist, and his wife came to Christ. His wife became a believer, and it made him mad. It ticked him off, and he sought to disprove her to disprove Christianity and to disprove faith, to bring her back to the way he thought. And I think he was an investigative journalist uh, or mm -hmm. a legal journalist or something like yes. that. Right. And so he had all the, all the chops to do this work. If, if anybody was going to disprove Christianity, it was going to be Lee Strobel or somebody like Lee Strobel. And, it took him down a completely different path. But isn't it interesting that he set out to disprove <laughs> Christianity? That was his goal, to disprove it, because it made him mad that his wife became a Christian. And that's probably a better description, Joe, of the movie. I don't remember a lot of that dramatic piece in the book so much, but definitely it's a big part of the story of his and, and the movie. And his, boy, he's getting, he's getting mad because he's... <laughs> It's not going in the direction he expected, and his wife is going in the other direction. He feels it's pulling their relationship apart, too. Right. He's getting angry with her, even, I think, through this. It's such a good book and such a good movie. Yeah. It really is. All right. Let's get into how he answered a lot of these questions that many of us have questioning the faith. Can the biographies of Jesus be trusted? So there are several reasons to suggest that the biographies of Jesus, namely the four Gospels of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, can be trusted as reliable sources of information about the life and teachings of Jesus. First of all, they were written by eyewitnesses based on eyewitness testimony. The Gospels were written by eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and teachings, such as Matthew and John, or based on the accounts of eyewitnesses like Mark and Luke. They were written within a short time frame after Jesus' death. The Gospels were written within decades of his death, which suggests they were based on relatively recent accounts and memories. The earliest documented related to Christ is generally considered to be a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church Thessalonica, which is known as 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament. And this letter was likely written around A.D. 50, which is within two decades of the crucifixion of Jesus. That's awesome. I mean, it, these these documents, the New Testament and the Gospels, but all of the New Testament, including the Old Testament, they are historical documents and written. Let, let's 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 focus directly on on the uh, on the Gospels. They are written as historical documents, not as as a story. Or not as a uh, not as a legend, or not as a allegory, or whatever. 
You know, I, I can't think of the words I'm looking for now, but they are written to relay historical information to people in the future. Right. And it's clear that they were intended to be that as historical documents and, and as, as accurate and as reliable as any other ancient historical writing. And maybe you'll get into that, but if you compare it to any other ancient historical writing, the, the gospels stand heads and tails above the reliability. Yep. You're confirming what I'm going to tell you some more here. It's argued that the early church creeds go back to the very beginning of the Christian faith. Strobel cites several scholars who believe that some of the creeds recorded in the New Testament, such as Christ's hymn in Philippians chapter 2 and the creed 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, were actually formulated by the earliest Christian communities and were used as part of their worship and teaching. In his letter, Paul refers to Jesus as the Son of God. And he talks about his death and resurrection. This makes 1 Thessalonians one of the earliest and most important historical resources we have for the life and teachings of Jesus. So, yeah, he's making the point that this wasn't like legend that can happen over many, many years after the actual incidents. The histor historians are talking about these being written very close to the death of Jesus. They were written independently of one another. The four Gospels were written independently of each other, which makes it less likely they were influenced by one another or by any particular agenda. They include details that would have been embarrassing or counterproductive. Some of the things that would have been kind of counterproductive to the early Christian message were the fact that women were first witnesses to the resurrection. Now, this was culturally unacceptable testimony at the time. I always wondered about that. And he says it right away. They have been confirmed by other historical sources. Writings of the Jewish historian Josephus and Roman historian Tacitus. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but like you were saying, the documents themselves as ancient writings stand up more so than any others from history. In fact, you mentioned Josephus. And uh, in Josephus' writings, he he mentions Jesus. So there's an there's an extra extra biblical account of Jesus. So he, as a as a historical figure, and interestingly enough, you know Josephus was a Jewish Jewish historian, so he didn't believe Jesus right. was the Messiah, but he does say that. Jesus is something like Jesus is known to do works of wonder mm -hmm. and magical things. Works of wonder and magical things right. sounds a lot like miracles. Although there were differences and discrepancies between the Gospels, these can largely be explained by the fact that they were written from four different perspectives and they were written for different audiences. Overall, the Gospels provide valuable and reliable information about the life and teachings of Jesus. So that's some proof that these biographies of Jesus can be trusted. Absolutely trusted. Like we said, and you, it, we've said it a few times here, they are historical documents. Yeah. Not, not legends or good stories or moral, moral writings. They are that they are moral writings, but more, most importantly, they are accurate historical documents that can be depended on as that. I picked, there's, there's many, 
interviews that he does and records in the book. But I picked some up some of my favorite that I want to review. So answering some of the questions that Lee had as he was doing his investigation. Were Jesus' biographies reliably preserved for us? World-class scholar Bruce Metzger said that compared with other ancient documents, there is an unprecedented number of New Testament manuscripts, and then they can be dated extremely close to original writings, like I've said. The modern New Testament is 99.5% free of textual discrepancies, with no major Christian doctrines in doubt. The criteria used by the early church to determine which books should be considered are authoritative, have ensured that we possess the best records about Jesus. Is there credible evidence for Jesus outside his biographies? We have better historical documentation for Jesus than for the founder of any other ancient religion, said Edwin Yamuchi. Sources outside the Bible corroborate that many people believe Jesus performed healings and was the Messiah, that he was crucified, and that despite his shameful death, his followers who believed he was still alive worshipped him as God. One expert documented 39 ancient sources that corroborate more than 100 facts concerning Jesus' life, teachings, crucifixion, and resurrection. Seven secular sources and several early creeds concern the deity of Jesus, a doctrine definitely present in the earliest church, according to scholar Gary Habermas. So think about that. Think about that. Because so many people that don't that don't believe use the Bible as a circular argument. Now you can't use the Bible as, as as your as your source because because then then it's a circular argument, right? Right. These are extra biblical sources that point to the deity of Jesus, that point to miraculous uh, happenings, that that point to his resurrection. It's it's pretty awesome. Was Jesus crazy when he claimed to be the Son of God? Well-known psychologist Gary Collins said Jesus exhibited no inappropriate emotions, was in contact with reality, was brilliant, and had amazing insights into human nature, and enjoyed deep and abiding relationships. He says, I just don't see signs that Jesus was suffering from any known mental illness. He concluded, in addition, Jesus backed up his claim to being God through miraculous feats of healing, astounding demonstrations of power over nature, unrivaled teaching, divine understanding of people, and with his own resurrection, which was the final authentication of his identity. I heard it once said, and, and I, I don't remember who, who said this, but Jesus was one of three things. He was a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was who he said he was, which is God made man. I think that's C.S. Lewis who first brought us that. C.S. Lewis is amazing. And I don't think I've read his book all the way through, but I believe that's where I've heard that was first. Mere Christianity is 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 an amazing book. In fact, in fact, I might I might bring Mere Christianity to the table next week as well. I think this was something these are some of the things that I thought about sitting in the pews before I read this book, but this this one quote from the Bible I found interesting, and I'm relating it into my discussion of Lee Strobel's book. But this is what St. Paul said about the resurrection. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. 
We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true, that the dead are not raised. That's in 1 Corinthians. So here is St. Paul admitting that if the resurrection is not true, then the whole thing's worthless. Silliness. Yeah. So it's interesting that the resurrection and when this show airs, of course, it's Good Friday. So we're a couple of days away from the from Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. The resurrection. Everybody celebrates Christmas as the big holiday and uh, in Christianity because it's the most secular holiday, yeah. right? Most widely widely expressed and widely celebrated holiday in the world. But Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the core event to yeah. Christianity. It's the core yeah. event to Christianity. Because just like, just like Paul said, Jesus may be a good teacher. He may be a wise man. He may be a, a, yeah, he may be a good teacher. He may be a wise man. But when Jesus brought himself back from the dead, back from the dead in front of hundreds of witnesses, not just a few, hundreds of witnesses, you got to think to yourself, okay, okay. Jesus, if you did that, maybe you're worth giving a look. Maybe you're worth listening to. Maybe you're worth following. Yeah, Paul believed that the resurrection was not just a symbolic or spiritual event, but a real historical event that proved Christ's divinity and his power over death. The belief in the resurrection continues to be the cornerstone of Christian theology and is celebrated each year during Easter season. Now, here's Lee's evidence, as he found in several of these areas, Joe. Was Jesus' death a sham and his resurrection a hoax? By analyzing the medical and historical data, Dr. Alexander Metherell concluded Jesus could not have survived the gruesome rigors of crucifixion, much less the gaping wound that pierced his lung and heart. The idea that he somehow swooned on the cross and pretended to be dead lacks any evidential basis. Roman executioners were grimly efficient, knowing that they themselves would face death if any of their victims were to come down from the cross alive. Even if Jesus had somehow lived through the torture, his ghastly condition could never have inspired a worldwide movement based on the premise that he had gloriously triumphed over the grave. Dr. Methrell reassures us that the Romans were excellent at executions. Yeah, the the execution method of crucifixion. I've heard many historians say that of all the ways people have been executed throughout history, crucifixion may have been the most agonizing. Yeah. May have been the most agonizing. So think about this, Kurt, when it comes to the resurrection. If Jesus, if God did make himself man, he chose a period in time when he was going to go to his death to be executed. He chose a period of time in history that he would experience where he would experience the most agonizing, torturous form of execution. Blows me away. Yeah, and... There's no doubt. I mean, there's the people would make an argument. Maybe he he rose from the dead because he wasn't dead, and 
what they're telling you here is there is no way he could survive this execution. Right. The Romans would never allow that. Was Jesus' body really absent from his tomb? William Lane Craig presented striking evidence that the enduring symbol of Easter, the vacant tomb of Jesus, was a historical reality. The empty grave is reported or implied in extremely early sources. Mark's Gospel and 1 Corinthians 15 Creed, which date so close to the event that they could not possibly have been products of legend. The fact that the Gospels report that women discovered the empty tomb bolsters the story's authenticity. The site of Jesus' tomb was known to both Christian and Jew alike, so it could not have been checked by skeptics. In fact, nobody, not even Roman authorities or Jewish leaders, ever claimed that the tomb still contained Jesus' body. Instead, they were forced to invent absurd story that the disciples, despite having no motive or opportunity, had stolen the body, a theory that not even the most skeptical critic believes today. Can you imagine being a Roman soldier whose job it was to guard the tomb? And knowing that if you didn't do a good job guarding the tomb, you were probably going to be, go to, be sent to death. You were probably going to be killed. There was a lot of uh, things going on, <laughs> let's mm -hmm. say. This was a high-stress moment during this period, during Passover. Right. So there was – and there was lots of insurrectionists, I guess you want to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was a lot going on. In Jerusalem at that time. So they would have been on high alert. They would have. And they're, again, they're Roman soldiers. And they would have gotten in big trouble if they didn't do their job. Was Jesus seen alive after his death on the cross? The evidence for the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus didn't develop gradually over the years as mythology distorted memories of his life. Rather, said resurrection expert Gary Habermas, the resurrection was the central proclamation of the early church from the very beginning. The ancient creed from 1 Corinthians 15 mentions specific individuals who encountered the risen Christ, and Paul even challenged first century doubters to talk with these individuals personally to determine the truth of the matter for themselves. The book of Acts is littered with extremely early affirmations of Jesus' resurrection while the Gospels describe numerous encounters in detail, concluded British theologian Michael Green, the appearances of Jesus are as well authenticated as anything in antiquity. There can be no rational doubt that they occurred. He appeared in front. He appeared to hundreds, right? Hundreds of people, not just a few people. He appeared after his resurrection. He appeared to hundreds of people. Are there any supporting facts that point to the resurrection? J.P. Moreland's circumstantial evidence added final documentation for the resurrection. First, the disciples were in a unique position to know whether the resurrection happened, and they went to their deaths proclaiming it was true. Nobody knowingly and willingly dies for a lie. That was something that always I kind of thought for myself. It was interesting to hear him say this. Second, Apart from the resurrection, there's no good reason why skeptics like Paul and James would have been converted and would have died for their faith, right? Paul was persecuting 
the the early Christians, sending them to their death. He's well documented as being that was, and he was converted. That's pretty amazing. Third, within weeks of the crucifixion, thousands of Jews began abandoning key social practices that had critical sociological and religious importance for centuries. They believed they risked damnation if they were wrong. Fourth, the early sacraments of communion and baptism affirmed Jesus' resurrection and deity. And fifth, the miraculous emergence of the church in the face of brutal Roman prosecution rips a great hole in history, a hole the size and shape of the resurrection, as C.F.D. Mool put it. If the Romans crucified Christ as a rebel, how did Christianity become the state religion of Rome? Right. I always wondered that. Yep. Like, wait a minute. Didn't they crucify him? And now it, the church is... Constantine, yeah. Is focused in Rome? Right. Interesting. All which led me to say, so what if this is all true? If this is true, what difference does it make? <laughs> so here's the conclusions from I took from the end of the book. He found there were several obvious implications. If Jesus is the Son of God, his teachings are more than just good ideas from a wise teacher. They are divine insights on which I can confidently build my life. This is Lee Strobel stating this at the end of all his research. If Jesus sets the standard for morality, I can now have an unwavering foundation for my choices and decisions rather than basing them on ever-shifting sands of expediency and self-centeredness. If Jesus did rise from the dead, he's still alive today and available for me to encounter on a personal basis. If Jesus conquered death, he can open the door of eternal life for me too. If Jesus has divine power, he has the supernatural ability to guide me and help me and transform me as I follow him. If Jesus personally knows the pain and loss of suffering, he can comfort and encourage me in the midst of turbulence that he himself warned is inevitable in a world corrupted by sin. If Jesus loves me as he says, he has my best interests at heart. That means I have nothing to lose and everything to gain by committing myself to him and his purposes. And finally, if Jesus is who he claims to be, and remember, no leader of any other major religion has ever pretended to be God. As my creator, he rightfully deserves my allegiance, obedience, and worship. That he does. I think I said this earlier in the in the show, Kurt, that Jesus was a great teacher. He was a great theologian. Uh, he was a Jewish rabbi. Uh, he was a moral, uh, a moral teacher. He was all of those things. And if you just leave it at that, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. This is, this just, I love this. <laughs> if you leave it at that, if you just follow Jesus teachings without ever giving your life to Christ as your Lord and savior, recognizing him as God and following him to eternity. But if you just follow Jesus as a moral teacher 
you will live an amazing life. Now, couple that with here's a guy that brought himself back to life (laughs) from the dead. It's probably worth exploring. (laughs) Well, I think that's my final for everyone listening is explore it. I mean, this book was fantastic and giving you some great things to look at the work that he did, that Lee did interviewing all these experts and historians and theologians and what have you. I love during this time of Holy Week and Easter, some of the programs that are on television that dive deeper into these topics. Yeah, and still, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to your personal faith and belief, obviously. But I, I really enjoyed, for my analytical brain, this helps me a lot in, in my trust in history and the documents and, and where it came from. I'm not just going on hearsay. And that's very that's very similar to how I came to believe. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that next week. But me being an analytical mind, I like to think about things logically. I want to understand before I believe. Yeah. And I need to make I need to make connections between the real world and the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you this much. I looked at a lot of world religions when I was on my path. Uh there's nothing like Christianity. Fantastic. Nothing like following Jesus as as the guy. <laughs> you know? As the guy. That's right. I mean, we were I was brought up as a Christian, but as a kid, you do as your parents teach you and the church that you go to. And so as an adult, you might take a deeper look and this is a great source. At least it was for me. I welcome everyone to go check it out. And Joe, that was a heavy topic. It was fun though. I enjoyed doing the research and reviewing the book again. But let's hit some of our usual segments. What was your win for the week? Well, before we go into that, Kurt, I, I want to say genuinely and sincerely, well done, my friend. Well I thought done. you were enjoying that. Yeah, well done. Uh this is a this is a subject that I'm passionate about. And the things that you brought up and the things that you explained uh, were well explained and easily understood. And I appreciate the research that you did. You know, when you start to do a research for this or reviewing the book and trying to pull the things that you can bring into 30 minute conversation, I feel a little bit under pressure. It seems like a, an exercise that's going to be really difficult to do. And I'm going to explain in my resource this week how I had some help in this too, Joe. Awesome. But it's funny how it starts to come together. And I practiced this a little bit today to see if I keep it within 30 minutes, even though I wasn't having, you know, you interact with me and it worked out pretty good. Cause at first you don't know if you've got how much time you've got in your, in your bullet points for, for the, for the episode, but I was happy with it. Well, in our, in kind of in our, in our pre recording chats, and texts back to each other. Uh, you 
have you were as excited about this subject as I've seen you excited about any subject. I was excited we've thought of it so we could release this on Good Friday too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I uh I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Thank you. So we I I do I want to say again, well done, my friend. Thank you, pal. Yeah, very, very well done. Well, we have some uh we have some wins for the week and we have some resources to share and updates on the thirty day challenge and quote. Do you want me to go first or do yeah. you want to go first? You go first. Well, I'll I'll share my win for the week. Uh, you guys know that several um, several months back, a few months back, I re-engaged a, a, a monthly ritual, habit, whatever you want to call it, to have breakfast with one of my daughters, either once a month or one, one daughter a week for, for the month. I, it's, it, the cadence isn't important. What's important is that I'm intentional about spending time with my adult daughters, right? Uh, uh, quality time, normal time, uh, just just chatting. And this Sunday, I had breakfast with my daughter Jenna, and it's amazing, Kurt. It's amazing. I, I said the same thing about when I when I was chatting with my older daughter. Uh, I think I brought this up as a win for the week. And when I have breakfast with my youngest daughter, I'll bring that up as a win for the week because it's <laughs> such a special time for me that my adult children want to spend time with their dad. And we have deep conversations, important conversations and lighthearted conversations. And we laugh and we debate. And there are, there are things that I, I am as my daughters and I are far away from each other on opinions. There are things that we disagree passionately, passionately about. And there's things that we, that we agree on. This was, you know, this was a three-hour conversation with my daughter wow. uh, at a at a breakfast table. We talked about everything from <laughs> from bagged tea versus loose tea, <laughs> and <laughs> the benefits of each, and the color of the table, and why I shouldn't just why I should just let the table rock back and forth instead of get up underneath it and put some kind of <laughs> some kind of support on the foot, uh, and. Uh, and then we dug into the positive and negative aspects of shame and guilt and the difference between the two. My daughter, my, my daughter is in college for a, um, uh, for a psychology degree and, uh, she is super smart and has a very empathetic way about her. Uh, so this is a, this is an outstanding path for her, but we talked about deep, deep stuff and, it's just a beautiful thing. I remember we were having our regular Saturday morning chat and your alarm went off on your phone saying, oh, I got breakfast with my daughter today. And you were feeling a little guilty and you had, oh, I, I got to get off. I, I got to run. Sorry, we got to cut it short. I got to go. And then you messaged me like 10 minutes later. She forgot about it. <laughs> or she well, she forgot. thought it was the next day. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Now, I want to be fair Good to her. Good on you for having the alarm set on your phone. <laughs> yeah, well, that's – I mean, I'm I'm telling you, man. I we I talk a lot about this. Uh, I have a – I have a do not disturb button on my phone when I'm at work and in meetings and asleep. And the only four people that can get through that do not, do not disturb button are my three daughters and my wife. And when that alarm got – when that alarm got off – when that alarm went off, I ended – our conversation within 
15 seconds and no, no, you know, nothing against you, Kurt. I love your brother. Um, but that was certainly my priority. I know where I, I said, rank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're there. You're up there. You're easily in the top 100. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had no problem. But it was a beautiful time. It was a beautiful time. And she thought it was the next day. So we 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 rescheduled it to the next day. So um I don't I don't I don't call it forgetting. I just call it misscheduling. <laughs> she my loves daughter, me too much to forget about it. <laughs> my daughter messaged me was it yesterday only. And she said so my daughter and I have been doing the Broadway shows. We went to see Hades Town in Hartford, a traveling show that I really enjoyed. She wanted me to see it. I really enjoyed it. We were talking about this, Joe and I. And then my daughter messaged me yesterday and says she got good prices on tickets for Hades Town in New York City for Saturday. And did I want to go? Now, I'm not as excited about Hades Town, although I did enjoy it. It'll be fun to go to New York for today. I'm going for my daughter to spend time with her. Yep. Right? Absolutely. And she just messaged me this morning. She says, I'm listening to Hades Town album today. She says, I'm so excited. We're going to see it in Broadway again this week. I'm very glad you agreed to go with me. That's my daughter sending me a message. That's awesome, so dude. That's coming up Saturday. I'm looking forward to a day in New York. Awesome. All right. My win for a week. <laughs> more practical. <laughs> a little bit more boring than Joe's, but important to me because. This is something I procrastinate. It's an area we'll probably talk about, talking about improving things, per, <laughs> making improvements. Dudes in progress, right? I'm always late with my taxes. <laughs> like, I don't know if you know this because you're probably always on time, but you can get an extension, which means you don't have to, if you're going to pay, you don't have to pay to like November, like in the fall. That's what the extension will get you. You got you to gotta let them know, and then you can report it and do it and pay it in November. But my wife was after me. She's very proud of her nagging. Got me to do all of my expenses for my business and the things that I had to do. And she had put all the paperwork together, got everything over to the accountant. And our taxes are done. Well, I got to pay them. I'm not going to wait till – I'm going to wait till the – April 15th to pray. Right. right. <laughs> but I'm glad to get that. It feels good to not procrastinate on my taxes this year. Well, congratulations. <laughs> and I do. I, I, I do file my taxes, my taxes on time uh, almost every year. It, it really doesn't take me all that. I told her she, she, when she got after me early this year, I said, I'll get it done. It's It doesn't take me all that long. I mean, literally, maybe if I say two hours, it might be that. But it's just an area I just am not fond of doing. I'm really funny about taxes, too, uh, and about tax refunds versus pay, paying at the end of the year and all of that. I I don't like the government having my money, any more of my money than they absolutely have to have. Yeah. You know? I understand. And I know that there are people, and this is part of their, this is part of their saving discipline, right? To get a big old tax refund at the end of the year, yeah, then go pay so much couch. in taxes that <laughs> that they file their taxes and they get five thousand dollars back in taxes. Kurt, that would drive me crazy to think that 
the government has been holding on to $5,000 of my money. Yeah. It would drive me crazy. And I, there's a, there's a little conspiracy kind of thing going on. I think to myself, well, what happens if the government just decides to keep it? <laughs> ah, we don't have enough money to pay you. You know, huh? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm funny that way, but we got to pay our taxes, okay. right? We have to have roads right. and, you know, we can debate, you know, debate all day about how many, uh, how much we pay in taxes and all that stuff, but you got to pay your taxes, right? And file your taxes and stay right with uncle Sam. Cause you don't want, uh, you don't want, uh, you don't want him. I wish it didn't have to be you. this complicated, but that's all a mess. Thing. Yeah. That's a mess. Maybe, maybe one day when we we've covered religion, right? Maybe one day we will cover <laughs> no, politics. That's the huh? one I'm not going to cover. <laughs> I'm not going there. Jeff. That's funny. I'll fight you that's on that funny. one. Well, All congratulations right. on doing your taxes. How are we doing with the 30 day challenge? At this point, the challenge would be over that you're listening to this, but we've got like a week to go here. Well, I've expressed my my uh, how I feel about the 30 day challenge. Uh, I think that we overreached a bit on a, on the 30 day challenge. And I'm quite frankly, this is where I have to maybe offer myself some, some, uh, forgiveness. I think so. Uh, and some empathy. I'm pretty disappointed in myself. I was very excited. I just, I got distracted and busy and I'm worried about the house and I'm worried about, you know, the, the rebuild and all of that stuff. Uh, so what I, what I found myself doing is I'm not doing a daily 30 day challenge. I'm just picking one, two, three a week that I'm participating in. I'll give you a perfect example. There was not a, there was the biggest part of this 30 day challenge that I was most excited about when I looked towards the 30 day challenge was the no spending week. And right now, as we're talking, we're right in the middle of the no, of a no spending week. And Day one, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> what did you buy? Well, we had to go out. The, we went out to eat. We had because oh. we don't have we don't have access to our kitchen, and we don't. You know, we have a refrigerator, but we don't have a stove. We have a microwave, but there's only so much stuff that you can do with a microwave. And so we had we went out to eat, and you got you know you got to spend money to go out to eat. Uh, it's a, uh, things like that. And, and quite honestly, this is Tuesday and we're only a few days into it. Uh, so I'm going to pick a day where I just don't, I, I, I consciously intentionally just don't spend money. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make sure I, I don't spend any money. And now maybe, maybe I'll try to stretch that in the two days. You know, when we, when we look at the 30 day challenge for the week that we're currently in, uh, this is the, this is the do not spend week. I think today. We're supposed to clean out our refrigerator and find expired and freezer burned stuff. Well, I can barely get to my refrigerator. And and that's that's kind of a that's kind of a thing. Uh but I will tomorrow. I'll definitely I'll I'm, I'll be intentional about removing 10 unused apps from my mobile phone. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to pick a few things throughout the week to wrap this up, and it's been a learning experience for me. Uh, first of all, it's been a learning experience about how to set up a 30 day challenge like this and to be realistic about it. And there were, there were some things that I learned about myself, about how hard it was still for me who leans in this direction, uh, to, to, uh, get rid of things that I don't necessarily need, that I'm not sure I want, but I have some kind of weird emotional attachment to it, uh, uh, sunk cost bias or whatever, whatever it might be, uh, some kind of unfulfilled memory or 
there are there are things that I refuse to get rid of because I think I'm going to do it one day, right? Uh-huh. Um, like those 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 jeans, and I don't do this, but every you know, if you do do this, I'm I'm kind of making fun of you. Those thirty inch jeans in your closet uh, when you're when you're in a solid thirty eight right now, <laughs> and you don't want to get rid of those thirty inch jeans because that means you're 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 giving up on that dream. <laughs> being right. being in those 30 inch jeans one day right uh let it go learn to be healthy right but let it go let it go how about you how how you doing yeah we talked about this i agree in total agreement same thing it's hard to do something every single day but i have been doing some things i've made progress so i'm happy i'm i'm feeling better than you are joe it's definitely helping me to stay focused on this topic so I, a couple examples. I did create a three-part, fifteen-minute evening ritual. I haven't exercised it yet, but I've created one. Well, that was the goal to create one. <laughs> I want to. I want. This is one of the things you know. I've been really proud of my morning one, and I want to do the evening one, which would include reading, gratitude journal, and a little meditation and prayer would be the three things in that. And drive the speed limit for one day. I thought about this. I didn't do a lot of driving, but I went to did some errands. I was watching that speed speedometer very closely, so I was trying to do that one. Clean out a drawer. I cleaned my socks drawer, which a lot of times will be so stuffed that you can't close it. And so I've cleaned out half my socks. Awesome. Some that don't even have holes in them. Nice. They're piled up over here. I'm going to maybe donate them or do something with it. Find one hard thing to donate or discard. I almost don't want to say this one because the reason it's hard is my wife and I fight over this particular object and I donated it. So now she's going to ask me when we're riding. Oh my gosh. Is it the, (laughs) is it the kettle? No, no, no. I've already crossed that bridge. Okay, good. I didn't get in trouble for that one. Good. This one's a power washer. She bought years ago that I used once. Oh my gosh. And I thought it was garbage, and it's been taking up a very large spot in my garage that has gone over to Goodwill. Congrats, man. I did this. Congrats. So you gave me an extra time here. You, you, We were running a little bit late. I had to practice boredom for an hour sitting here. And I listened to my <laughs> vinyl record collection, a few records, and I couldn't help but clean up a little bit around the office as I was doing it. So I wasn't 100% successful at being bored but i tried to sit here and do mostly nothing we just don't know how to be bored anymore (laughs) you said it. it's true it's hard to do we just don't i mean i remember being bored at a doctor's office you know when i was a kid looking after i've looked through the highlight magazines and and pushed the plant off the table and whatever (laughs) mischievous thing i was doing and do you remember being so bored at the doctor's office that you just you're rolling on the ground? You can you can't you can't hardly pick yourself up. Uh, <laughs> you're so bored. That's what I do now. I'm still. <laughs> I cannot wait and sit still. I am the worst. My wife gets so when we go out to dinner, I eat so fast, and I'm sitting there. I'm like restless. I got. I am. I am restless. I can't. Yeah. I can't yeah. do it. It's really that. That's why meditation is hard. Same kind yep. of reason. All right, yep. the other one I did, which I was really happy with, we bought a freezer. I don't know, maybe we've had a couple of years now. I did have, I had 
like three or four things in there that had freezer burn that I knew I needed to throw out. Oh, yeah. And related to that, I had a barrel, garbage barrel, a big one that was full of like old sports equipment the kids had. And I really didn't have a good garbage barrel there. So I bought some 30 gallon, 39 gallon garbage bags that were really cheap at the dollar 25 store. Remember, it used to be a dollar store. It was so heavy, though. I threw it out to the garbage today, and it was so heavy, like the bag was ripping. But the whole thing is I cleared out all that junk, put it in a garbage bag, and then some more garbage, including the freezer burn stuff from the freezer. And that's out in the, on the curb right now. And I'm really pleased with that because now i got a place out in my garage to throw garbage. Nice job. Nice job. So, yeah, I didn't do too bad. What's your resource for the week, Joe? You got an interesting one here. So this is a this is an interesting resource, and I'm not sure whether to call this a resource or whether to call it a technique or whatever it is. You know, a couple weeks back, I as my resource, I used the I, I introduced the Pomodoro technique of time management, and this is this is similar to that in being a technique. Uh, it's a resource that I use. This technique is a resource that I use periodically when I when I really want to. Uh, study the Bible and I really want to get something out of it uh, because I, I do like just sitting down reading the Bible for the sake of reading it linear, just reading the Bible as a linear process. Uh, but I also, there's times that I want, I want to dig a little deeper into the Bible. And the way I do that is, uh, is using the soap method of Bible study, this soap method, S O A P and soap is a, uh, is it is would that be considered an acronym or an acrostic? I don't know. I never know the difference between the two. But SOAP, S-O-A-P. And and so when you read the Bible, you look for a verse or passage. It, when you're kind of just sitting down reading the Bible, you intentionally look for a verse or a passage that leaps off the page, uh, that really strikes your interest. And you take that verse or, or passage and you Dive deeper into it using this SOAP method. And the SOAP method is the S stands for scripture. Uh, that's where you, you're going to write out verbatim the verse or the passage that stuck out to you. Just write it out verbatim. Write it in, in your journal or back of an envelope or whatever. And after you write it out, you move on to the O, observation. What do you observe about this scripture? What is going on? What is the context? What is what is happening? What is the flavor? What is the what is the motion of the of the of the scripture? What's what's happening in this moment uh, that you're observing in the scripture? So you have S. You have S scripture. O observation. A application. So you take the scripture after you've observed what's going on. How do you apply it so that it affects your life today? or that you can take action on something today. And that's application. Uh, how can you, how can you look at the scripture and say, okay, what lesson am I, am I learning here from this scripture? It stood out for me for a reason. Uh, I see what's going on here. How can I apply it to my life right now? So that it affects my life today. So you apply that scripture in some small way, maybe a large way to your life right now. And then finally, the P in soap, prayer. You just write a simple prayer asking for God's help to apply this to your life, to understand what this means, and to help other people understand what you've learned. So soap, scripture, 
observation, application, and prayer. You'll be surprised if you use this method, how deep you can go into the, and you can go into God's word by using this, this soap method. That is fantastic. You made me think of something too. I got to bring maybe as my resource next week. I love that, Joe. Thank you. I'm going to use that, especially this week. <laughs> now I don't use it all the time, Kurt. I, I use it when right. I say, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to dig deeper. I, I just, I just feel I just need to, uh, instead of just reading the Bible linear, yeah. which is great. I want to dig a little deeper. It's actionable. I want to dig a little deeper. Yeah. Yep. Which I like about that. Mine, well, we're going all in different directions, aren't we? Yeah. My resource is ChatGPT. You can find it on your internet browser at chat.openai.com. Now, I keep hearing about this in technology, artificial intelligence. You'll hear it on the news a lot. And this particular service, which has recently come on, I don't say recently, but it's definitely hitting the news quite a bit. A good friend of ours who we've talked about, maybe mentioned his name, Clay, a few weeks ago talked about how he's using some of the software online that uses artificial intelligence to help write some of his content, help him with his videos or marketing things that he's doing website, blog posts, found that really intriguing. And I found a book, I'm using the Amazon Unlimited, Kindle Unlimited, and there was a book, I just, it was just like one of the first titles that came to me, it was Chat GPT Millionaire, it was called, Making Money Online, has never been this easy, but it's talking about creating content with the help of artificial intelligence. So Joe, for, I signed up for this Chat GPT, I tried it a few weeks ago, but it was shut down. It's not always open because there's so many people hitting it. I hit it early this morning and past couple days. And some of that content I read for you today came from ChatGPT. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. You used it to help to help draft your uh, draft your your bullet points and your dialogue for this show. That's right. One of the questions I asked it was to give me a chapter by chapter summary of the book. And that kind of gave me some ideas. I didn't use everything strictly from that. One of the sections I read, which was the introduction piece, was not from the book as much. Well, no, it was. That came all from ChatGPT. Wow. I asked him to give me a summary of the book, and that was what I used for the intro. I think we need to grasp a hold of this technology, accept it, and use it. I don't think we should run away from it. I don't think we should disparage it. I think we should encourage it. I think it's going to open up a whole new opportunity of creativity. Uh, it's going to, if you don't, if you don't embrace it, it's going to leave you behind, right? I, I think you use it just like you used it. Uh, you, you asked it some questions, it did its AI thing. And all it's really doing is it's taking existing information, existing creativity, existing content and structuring it in such a way that it believes it's understandable and easily communicate it. Uh, I love this and you can have some fun with it too. You can, 
you can take, you could have taken that chat GPT and said, uh, okay, give me a summary of case for Christ in the King James Bible <laughs> language. And it would have, and it's so neat. It's so fun. Uh, I, I like this a lot. I'm so glad you brought this up as a resource because I think as creative content creators, uh, that, that was a little, maybe yeah. some redundant as content creators, as creative people, we should embrace this technology and use it and allow it to inspire us. And we, and then we add our own creativity to it. We add our own swing to it. So I asked it to give me subjects for our podcast on living intentionally. And here's some of the results I got. The importance of setting goals and how to set them effectively. Check. Strategies for developing a positive mindset and overcoming negative think patterns. Check. And we could go deeper in that one, oh, too. We could, you know what? Mindset is something that we've not gone, yeah. done gone terribly mindset. deep into. Yeah. Techniques for managing time more effect, efficiently and prioritizing tasks. <sighs> The benefits of mindfulness and meditation and living intentionally. <laughs> Strategies for developing healthy habits and routines. That's funny. We did that. Yep. Ways to overcome procrastination and increase productivity. That's on our list. The role of gratitude and appreciation in living intentionally. We've done that. Listen to this one. The benefits of minimalism and simplifying your life. I mean, this is no like. No kidding. No I'm kidding. It's like spot on of what with some of the things we've brainstormed. Yeah. Techniques for managing stress and finding balance in life. The importance of personal growth and continuous learning and living intentionally. <laughs> That's what it gave me. That's awesome. <sighs> I did some more. I'll tell you later. This is a, this is a, that's a, it's a, this is a fun tool. Chat, chat GPT. I was I like pretty it amazed. It's, yep. I'm like, this takes Google to another level. Is my first thought. So I'm interested in getting into this book and, Learning ways to really leverage it. Cool. It's twenty dollars a month if you want to get the the right now at least where it's at. So all right. I think we're gonna wrap up for with our quote for the week. Yeah, what's your quote for the week? So this is an appropriate quote for the week, and it kind of gives you a little insight into my portion of a faith and Christianity and why I am a Christian. This quote comes from William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig was mentioned uh, by Lee Strobel. I, his teachings and his writings and his debates were a very important part of how I became uh, a Christian. So this quote comes from William Lane Craig. And William Lane Craig is a very deep, heady guy. I mean, his stuff is really makes you think. From William Lane Craig, the Christian faith does not call for us to put our minds on the shelf, to fly in the face of common sense and history, or to make a leap of faith into the dark. The rational person, fully apprised of the evidence, can confidently believe. Yeah, I would not have known that if I had not dug into this book. A Case for Christ. And of course, this quote brings it home very nicely, Joe. How about your quote? I would have thought it was all based on pure faith. He, he wrote a book called Reasonable Faith, and he has a website called Reasonable Faith, and that probably will be my my resource for next week. 
Um, but th- that is the whole point. It's a reasonable faith, which may seem contradictory, right? How can faith be reasonable? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is. It's logical. It's understandable. It it doesn't fly in the face of hypocrisy or it's not it's 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 a faith that that you can sink your teeth into a logical thinking person can sink their teeth into excellent all right i'll finish up with my quote for the week from saint paul which he discusses why he struggles to do the right thing and it's found in the letter to the romans he writes this joe i do not understand what i do for what i want to do I do not do, but what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. From Romans chapter (laughs) 7. I mean, that is the human experience wrapped up in a nutshell. I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I should be doing, and and yeah. I suck for it. <laughs> I mean, this you know this causes me a lot of stress to try to do this episode. Like, who am I to talk about faith? But here mm-hmm. is one of the most important people in the Christian faith, if not, he's in the next, top two <laughs> next to Jesus. Yeah, I mean, top three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. he, wrote he wrote most of the New Testament, <laughs> and here he's struggling. Now, this is coming from a guy who met the risen Christ or the crucified Christ on his way to Damascus. Right. And he had all of this experience, interviewed and met the folks who experienced him in in life. And he's doing this. He's having these questions or he's not doing what he knows he should be doing. And before, before <laughs> profound, isn't it? Jesus revealed himself to Paul. Paul was a Christian killer. That's right. He was a Christian hunter. He was the Christian's biggest enemy, and he was the biggest Christian hater there was. And he was the he was a very smart, a very well respected uh, Pharisee and teacher of 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 yeah. Jewish things. Uh, he he was a Christian hater, and he killed Christians, and that was his goal, was to rid the world of Christians and Christianity. And uh, Jesus caught him by the collar and shook him up, man. Yeah, it just proves we all need redemption. Mm-hmm. And we all can have it. That's right. And that's that's why this story, the story of Paul is so important, because of the turnaround. Because here is the... The worst of the worst when it comes to yeah. Christian haters. And came he came to Jesus Christ. And he's confessing he's not perfect. Right. I love that. I love that passage from the Bible, Kurt, because right. here's here's this guy that wrote most of the New Testament that struggles with doing the right thing, like we all do. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I enjoyed this episode, Joe. I hope everyone got a little something out of it and has a great Easter. Enjoy the Easter holiday. So, Kurt, do we have anything uh, from either Facebook or 
email or anybody that's reached out to us? You know, Joe, you're really good at reminding people to send us emails. I'm always really keen on the, the Facebook group. We got a very interesting email from a listener, someone who I know from my Disney community. There it is. We almost got through a whole show. <laughs> but, you know, it's still very courageous. We're not talking about Disney World and the topics that we cover are usually much more personal. But she does share a very personal story of a courageous conversation she had at work. And this is a conversation that I know is really uncomfortable for me. It's probably not as much, mostly when I was younger. But have you ever walked into a boss and asked for a raise? Yes. I, I figured you would. That's not a conversation you have <laughs> a hard time with, right? As long as you have your ducks in a row and you can make your argument, should be okay with it. But I, when I was reading, I won't go into a lot of detail. Although I, I want to just applaud her for for having that courageous conversation because I think anytime you want to move forward, especially in a career, courageous conversations for whatever the conversation is about are really important things to do. And even if, in her case. She didn't get that raise, and they gave her a reason why, whether she agrees or disagrees. And then I, I said back to her, I said, well, I did email her back and said, if you don't feel that – they gave her one way that she could go, first of all. She, they gave her an action that she could take, and she, I don't think she was really crazy about that. But I would definitely reach out to them and ask for – other ways, are there some other ways that I could warrant a raise for my next year? Was my suggestion back. Great suggestion. But I just want to applaud her for sharing and having the courage to, to chat with us. And we'll continue that conversation in that email. And when it's appropriate, we'll share it with you guys because maybe you'll get some insight into things that you may want, you may think about doing <laughs> to move things forward. I love it when, when, the community reaches out to us and especially when the community is vulnerable and when they're kind of laying it on the line, because that's part of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be dudes in progress, right? But part of progress is being transparent. Part of progress is showing the world and yourself, your warts and your scars and your failures so you can grow, right? So I love the interaction that we have. Uh, if, if you want to check out our website, go to dudesinprogress.com, dudesinprogress.com. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page by do, going to dudesinprogress.com slash Facebook, uh, dudesinprogress.com slash Facebook. And if you want to email us, like the listener did here, dudes at dudesinprogress.com, dudes at dudesinprogress.com. And I promise you, we will respond. Absolutely will respond. So thank you for sharing that, Kurt. I appreciate that. And uh, if you're listening out there, you probably realize that we're talking about you. And uh, thank you for, for your vulnerability. Thank you for your transparency. We love you for it. I mean that. I mean that. I think talking out these things with other people are absolutely helpful in moving forward, too. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Kurt, as we wrap up, I want us all to remember progress is better than perfection. 
So let's just keep moving forward. Well, I know this week I realized I am not perfect, Joe, but I'm going to try to do better next time. We all certainly will. Talk to you soon, my friend. See you, Joe.